When a doctor looks at a pregnant woman, he should see two patients. It is not, it is, it is a violation of medical ethics and protocol to use medical technology and knowledge for the hastening of the demise of a person or for the destruction of a person. Always and everywhere, uh, medicine is supposed to be the servant of humanity. And to serve humanity, you serve humanity in, in the instance of a person. Dear Jane, the Life-Giving Podcast. The current healthcare system is falling short when it comes to caring for women with an unplanned pregnancy. That's the claim of today's guest on Dear Jane. Hello, I'm Scott Baker. Jim Harden is a pro-life leader who has played a key role in implementing the medical model for pregnancy resource centers across the country. He's the CEO of Compass Care Pregnancy Services. His new book is called Ethical Theory and Pertinent Standards in Women's Reproductive Health. That's quite a mouthful. Jim, let's start with one of your key claims. Uh, how exactly does the current health care system fall short when caring for women with unplanned pregnancies? There are so many ways the current health care system falls short uh, of uh, helping women, protecting women. Um, the current healthcare system um, is essentially allowing for fraud uh, to operate in an unhindered fashion when it comes to chemical abortion sur uh, and surgical abortion. Um, so the, the, the Nuremberg Code is a, is, a, is, a, is a moral code that was created after World War II because of crimes of humanity that were perpetrated against um, people in concentration camps by uh, you know, Nazis. And so they, they would use doctors to, to, to run tests on human subjects. And so there are human subjects testing requirements that, that have to be met um, in order for uh, a, a procedure or a, a chemical to be considered um, for, you know, distribution or use within, the, within a particular population. And so the FDA, for example, is considered kind of the gold standard for determining safety and efficacy for any, any, any chemical that's going to be uh, put out to market to the general population. Um, the surgical abortion, the, the, third, the third Nuremberg uh, provision, the, the third provision in the Nuremberg Code basically says you've got to have animal testing for all various uh, procedures for, for, for anybody, again, surgical or chemical. And uh, the surgical abortion did not go through any, any human subjects testing. Uh, I'm sorry, they did not go through any animal subjects testing before it went to humans. Same thing with chemical abortion. Uh, we don't know um, how chemical abortion is going to impact a woman's future reproductive health. We never, we never the, the, the testing has never been done. Um, we, we know how effective it is when it comes to ending a pregnancy, but we don't know its safety or efficacy when it comes to the nature of protecting a woman's reproductive health. But the FDA, you know, totally circumvented the, their protocols illegally, and now it's in court. And rightfully so. We have physicians, thousands of physicians, filing a lawsuit against the FDA for essentially putting women's health at risk uh, because of a political agenda when it comes to abortion. Now, uh, you know, another thing is, I don't, I don't mean to, you know, to 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 belabor the point, but um, if you look at the Hippocratic Oath. The oath that doctors would take before they would start practicing medicine independently. Mm -hmm. There's a phrase in that in that oath that says, "I will not give a woman an abortive remedy." So you think about that for a second. Why would the the oath that doctors would take before they start practicing medicine include that particular thing? I mean, of all, of all the things it could have included, why abortion? 
And it's because the purpose of medicine is to heal and to maintain the health of the patient. And abortion does neither one of those two things for either the woman or the child. What abortion represents is the abuse of women, the abuse of children. When a doctor looks at a pregnant woman, he should see two patients. It is not it is, it is a violation of medical ethics and protocol to use medical technology and knowledge for the hastening of the demise of a person or for the destruction of a person. Always and everywhere, uh, medicine is supposed to be the servant of humanity. And to serve humanity, you serve humanity in, in the instance of a person. Uh, and so abortion represents a violation of the purpose of medical care altogether and undermines the credibility of the medical community. I mean, uh, you know, so what, so for example, I, I think I talk, I think about fraud. Um, when a woman is considering abortion, she's facing an unplanned pregnancy. She says, I'm stuck. I'm trapped. I've got no other choice. I need to have an abortion. Of course, her circumstances are conspiring uh, against her ability to exercise independent autonomous choice. Okay. That's a big red flag in the medical community. <laughs> okay. Mm. Um, autonomy is a big deal. Uh, you know, you shouldn't be providing a, a medical, um, some sort of treatment option to a patient who is under duress and, and thinks that they have to have this, uh, on, uh, this particular treatment option, um, and that they wouldn't normally do this under normal circumstances. But the medical community in, in, the, in the form of abortionists, particularly, particularly those who, who purvey chemical abortion, are saying that chemical abortion is safer than Tylenol. Um, now they're telling these women this uh, who are facing unplanned pregnancy. They're 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 scared. They don't know what to do. They don't have any support. They don't know what their friends are. Or their their the, the father of the baby is going to do. They don't know about school. They don't know about childcare or healthcare. It's all hitting her like a wave, and she's in fight or flight mode. And they are cashing in. Okay, cashing in. Um, and they're 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 advertising this 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 very dangerous drug is safer than Tylenol. That is fraud. And attorneys general across this country need to know. Furthermore, uh, uh, the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, refuses to enforce the law that's currently on the books when it comes to the illicit um, purveyance of chemical abortion. It is illegal right now, according to U.S. Code 18, Sections 1461 and 1462, to send drugs, abortion drugs in particular, in the mail across the U.S. border or state lines. Merrick Garland has said he's not going to enforce that. What? Why? What, what is chemical abortion? The reason why I said it's a fraud is because it represents if you know a woman who engages in a chemical abortion is 500% more likely to end up in the emergency room. One in 20 women who, who have a chemical abortion wind up in the emergency room with hemorrhaging, with sepsis, with uh, it causes pelvic inflammatory disease, which causes uh, internal scarring, which causes uh, future ectopic pregnancies, which causes infertility, which can cause death. I mean, women have died. There's there's cases, you know, scores of cases where men are dying from from chemical abortion, but the 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 the, the Obama administration uh, stopped the the FDA from requiring uh, doctors to report adverse events. So, uh, you know, th this whole thing is just it, it, it's a it's a big uh, you know crime I think against women and women's reproductive health, and and they're covering it. Uh, under the guise of healthcare, so yeah, we've we've got some some serious problems. Which is what one of, actually that's one of the reasons I wrote this book um, that we're talking about ethical theory and pertinent standards in women's reproductive health. I wrote this because no one had ever done it before. No one had ever interpreted 
women's reproductive health in the context of Hippocratic Western medicine. And so I went to uh, one of my mentors, Dr. Edmund Pellegrino, who's the father of modern medical ethics. Um, and I, and I, I said, I think, I think medicine's lost her soul. <laughs> he said, what, what do you mean? I said, well, I don't, I don't think she understands her purpose anymore. And it's being used um, as, as a tool, uh, you know, to, to, to destroy humanity instead of protect it. And he said, I agree. How can I help you? So I gave him this manual. I gave him this book, this manuscript. And he said, you know, <laughs> you know what I see here, Jim? This is on, I'm sure this is, I was sitting in his office at Georgetown and he said, you know what I see here, Jim? I said, no, what, what do you see? And he said, I just see word, <laughs> word, word. I said, what do you mean? He said, are the question is, are they the right words? I don't mean to, he, he didn't mean to depress me or anything. And of course he, he ended up saying, yeah, they were the right words. And he did give, give the book an endorsement, which he never did, by the way, to my knowledge of any other book. Um, but are they the right words? Meaning, <clears throat> will they help people contextualize what it means to be a doctor or a medical provider in the context of women's reproductive health um, so that such that everybody can understand it and embrace it? We are in modern Western medicine. This is, this is our context. And I, I would have written, there's a different book to be written about the nature of Christian medical care. That's not what this book is about. This book is about helping every medical provider, whoever they are, whatever their religious beliefs and whatever, wherever they fall in the spectrum of their, their opinions about abortion, they should be able to read this book and say, oh, I see now how abortion is wrong always and everywhere, just from the perspective of the Hippocratic tradition. You mentioned the Hippocratic Oath, and I think most of us are familiar with with what that contains, and you you touched on that. In your experience, how do medical providers justify that in their mind of, well, you know, abortion's different? What argument have you heard there? Well, <clears throat> one of the things that um, providers do to justify their behavior is um, they they treat medicine as if it were a vending machine. So the 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 kind of queen of all medical ethical categories you've got beneficence and non-malfeasance and you know no conflict of interest and you know informed consent and all these things they're interrelated <clears throat> but the the one that they get stuck on and this started happening back in the late 1960s early 1970s and even into the roe versus wade case in 1973 the one they get stuck on is autonomy so what they did was they took, and it was, a, it was a genius move, by the way, by the abortion industry. They took this medical ethical category called autonomy, and they changed the word, and they call, they started calling it choice, right? Um, but what autonomy actually represents in the Hippocratic tradition is the ability for a patient to have themselves, right? We, we, we are, uh, we are, ours, we are, there's an other, uh, there's an idea of inviolability. We're not to be violated. We, we control ourselves. Our body is our own uh, to do with as we see fit. And the doctor is here to help us, right? Um, so autonomy represents the ability to say no to a certain treatment protocol. And they turned that around. They turned around with the concept of autonomy, made it choice and said, we just give to women whatever they want us to, whatever they're telling us to give to them. So they're making the abort the the the, the doctor into a, a, you know a, a glorified medical vending machine. The patient's always right. You've heard of this idea that the the uh, the what, what's what's the, the the idea in in business? The customer is always the right. The customer is always yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and so now here the the doctor is always 
the, 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 the patient is always right. So the doctor has no moral recourse. The doctor should check his or her morality at the exam room door, which is, by the way, a moral concept. You know, uh, So that's, I think, one of the biggest ways that these, these abortionists uh, kind of justify delivering uh, you know, this very unethical, uh, I don't know, surgery, surgery or chemical to women um, outside of the Hippocratic tradition. But you said something there that I don't want to let pass because I could see detractors or um, the other side saying, aha, you just touched on it. You talked about how autonomy is uh, my body is my own. Sounds a lot like my body, my choice. Sort of discern that for us and, and dig into that a little bit deeper. You understand what I'm saying? People would say, yeah, you just made my argument for me. Yeah. And, and so <clears throat> when, 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 I'm, when, I'm, when we're talking about inviolability, it's it's. I should not violate um, the, the, the sanctity of another person's body. I should not do something to them that will harm them in any way. <clears throat> um, and so, so it goes with the, the, the woman and with the child. Now, just because the woman, a, a woman wants a particular procedure or a particular chemical, it's incumbent upon the physician to say, no, that will harm you. And it will harm the natural uh, functioning and healthy functioning of a reproductive system. And it will harm your child and it will harm the medical profession's credibility, and it will harm my own conscience, and it will harm you psychologically in the future. I cannot in good conscience provide, so, so when a physician comes to a, a patient, he has to take all these various elements into consideration. What is the good of medicine? What is the good of the patient? What is the good of, 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 the, of, 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 uh, of, of the physician? Uh, you know, what is the good of society? Because um, as the as the as the physician operates or, or or engages a patient, he's the moral center of the relationship, and uh, if he allows for you know a, a consistent violation of the medical ethic for the good of medicine for the good of society, um, it undermines the ability for society to trust in medical care, um, and there thereby undermining the ability for doctors to 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 do good on behalf of patients and to help them sustain their lives and not destroy their lives or mutilate their bodies. So um, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's where it comes in. So right now, medicine is like, you know, the, the bioethic, if you will, for medicine is if you can do it, go ahead and do it. Because there's bioethics, as, as, as uh, Edmund Pellegrino said, one of the first things he said to me in, one, in, in his office when I, when I met him was, Jim, bioethics is a bastard. And he didn't mean that in a in a derogatory way. He didn't mean that as if you know he's he's cussing. He wasn't he wasn't saying bad a bad word. What he meant was there is no root, there is no mooring for medicine to understand when it should stop and where it should start. Mm -hmm. um, Christians do. Christian providers have an, a clear understanding of of, of where medical care or, or the, the the involvement of medical technology should stop. Where, where it crosses the line uh, and it becomes unethical. And, uh, and that includes things like euthanasia, things like physician-assisted suicide, things like abortion. Um, these, these kinds of, uh, of, of, of engagements violate the purpose of medical care and the body of the patient or the, or, or the body of within the patient, which is the baby. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll visit more about uh, the terms you have used. I've heard fraud and deceit. We'll talk about why 
these are things deployed frequently by the abortionists and to what end? We'll do that when we come back with Jim Harden here on Dear Jane. Dear Jane, the life-giving podcast. Unleash your curiosity, challenge your assumptions, and discover the power of dialogue that bridges the divide. Dear Jane is your compass to navigate the complexities of life's most debated topic. Get ready for a podcast that will make you think, question, and maybe even change your mind. Tune in to Dear Jane and embark on a journey that will challenge your beliefs and expand your understanding. On this edition of People You Should Know, we introduce you to Julie Garofalo and Sam Intile from the Waterleaf Women's Center in Aurora, Illinois. The Illinois General Assembly has passed a bill titled the Deceptive Practices of Limited Services Pregnancy Centers Act. Sam says there are multiple things wrong with the bill. The first would be that the Consumer Fraud Act already covers what they were trying to do. And... Um, the other thing is uh, they were not able to substantiate any examples of fraud that has taken place uh, by pregnancy centers in the state of Illinois. So there really is no foundation for this bill being necessary. Julie says it soon became evident that this was a bill targeting pro-life pregnancy centers. And they very clearly defined what a limited pregnancy center was. They clearly defined who was not um subject to this bill. So they specifically took out Planned Parenthood. They specifically took out individual providers and clinics that provide other types of services or practitioners who choose not to provide or refer for abortion because they're providing more comprehensive services. So it became very clear that this bill was completely targeted toward uh, pregnancy centers such as ours and all the others in the state of Illinois. Once the intentions of the bill became clear, the leaders at Waterleaf sprang into action and solicited the help of their leadership and donors. As soon as we knew that this was afoot, uh, I alerted the board and our board determined to be proactive. Our board will not stand down. And they decided to be proactive, so they immediately contacted the Thomas More Society and other legal experts and really discussed what our um, our actions would be. So, of course, asking our donors and friends to sign witness slips. When it came to the Senate hearing, the witness slips were still three times more in opposition than in favor. The language of Senate Bill 1909 makes it very clear that this bill is intended to limit the ability of pro-life pregnancy centers to market or advertise their services, and to promote abortion as much as possible. Julie says being proactive and reaching out to allies and lawmakers has reaped benefits. I think the, the best part of all of this is the engagement we've had with donors, you know, longtime donors as well as new donors, in that it is an opportunity for us to educate and to, as as we called on them to sign witness slips, the engagement we had with them in terms of phone calls and emails and stop-ins uh, and how they wanted to know more. And they would have maybe have never known that this was going on in our Illinois legislator, legislature if uh, we hadn't reached out to them. So it's been a really good opportunity to, to educate in so many ways. 
Are you a pro-life organization trying to make a difference in the lives of abortion-minded women? Look no further than Choose Life Marketing, the pro-life agency dedicated to spreading the messages of hope and love. With expert services in web design, digital marketing, fundraising, and branding, CLM helps you reach those who need it most and provide them with life-affirming alternatives. Choose Life Marketing is your ally in the fight for life, empowering you to make a lasting impact and change hearts one click at a time. Step up and join us in spreading hope to abortion-minded women and transforming lives. Choose Life Marketing, where marketing meets compassion. Dear Jane, the life-giving podcast. Welcome back. We're visiting with Jim Hardin, CEO of Compass Care Pregnancy Services and author of the new book, Ethical Theory and Pertinent Standards in Women's Reproductive Health Care. And we're talking about how uh, the, the health care system uh, addresses and, and treats abortion, how they have a double standard in many ways. Jim, one of the things that I have heard you mention, you've used the word fraud, deceit, that sort of thing. We know that this is something used by abortionists. But my question is, to what end? Why? What's the benefit for them? Well, um, there's a lot of conjecture around why they're committing this fraud. Um, and, and in fact, um, engaging what I call political transference, meaning they're now um, attempting to protect themselves and their industry by claiming that their only competition, pro-life physicians or pro-life pregnancy centers, are themselves committing fraud. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and so uh, they, they say that in terms of uh, they're, they're, they're saying that we're misleading women, that we're, um, Elizabeth Warren even says that we're terrorizing women, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're abusing women by, by uh, giving them false information, things of that nature. Well, um, I think that one of the reasons why they want to, why, uh, the abortion industry is committing this fraud is to n- number one protect themselves. I mean, it's 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 a billion dollar complex. I mean, it's 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 global. Um, there's a lot of money in it, um, and 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 so. But, but beyond that, what's the money for? Um, and the money gets cycled back around to uh, to the political elite. Um, and what do the political elite want? Well, the reason why pro-life people have been attacked in mass. This last year, over 300 attacks on peaceful pro-life entities and no convictions. Why the FBI, the DOJ, the DHS are profiling pro-life mothers, for example, as being potential domestic terror threats, uh, and why they're turning a blind eye to violent attacks on pro-lifers is, I believe, because um, pro-life people are able to articulate the the primary belief that stands between uh, free constitutional rule of law and a tyranny. And here's that belief. The belief is that we are all made in the image of God and therefore equally valuable without partiality and without qualification. Um, the Declaration of Independence says we are endowed by our creator, not by our government. We are endowed by our creator <clears throat> with certain inalienable rights. The first uh, and, and most important, of course, is the right to life, which of course presupposes all others. You, you, you know, There's no point in having other rights if you don't have life. <clears throat> But the, um, the, the concept of uh, the, the, these pro-abortion politicians in charge of the Democrat Party right now <clears throat> that are in line 
and with protecting the abortion industry so so vehemently, um, don't care about abortion. Honestly, they don't care about women's rights. They don't care about having these kinds of conversations. <clears throat> they care about what abortion gives them. And abortion gives them the ability to decide who lives and who dies, which is absolute power. The ability to decide um, which persons qualify for protection under the law and which ones do not. Um, because if, if, if it can be accepted by the population that the government can vest itself with that level of power, the ability to decide which humans to disqualify from protection under the law, then it's a slippery slope. It, who's next? And now we've, we saw that happen in the 20th century with respect to communism um, and uh, socialism, communism, fascism, all the way into from Stalin to Mao Zedong to, uh, to Hitler. And that's what happened was they, they began to dehumanize entire classes of people that simply disagreed with them. And, and, and a disagreement was, was, was what couldn't be countenance because it was an attack ostensibly on their credibility and their power. And so we had uh, these tremendous violations of, 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 of you know, human dignity, uh, essentially crimes against humanity that developed out of that. Um, and the Nuremberg codes were the result. We, we wanted to make sure that never happened again. And so, you know, this is all interrelated. Um, and I, I think that uh, it's, it's much, much bigger than abortion. It's much, much bigger than the abortion industry. And I think the fraud is all connected all the way up. Uh, and all you got to do is look at who's, who's uh, interested in protecting the abortion industry. Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Hillary Clinton, you know, all these people. <clears throat> You know, that's chilling when you when you think of it that way, you know, to talking about wanting to have the um, authority or the power to decide who lives and who dies. And, and then when you consider how abortion really impacts lower socioeconomic folks, um, yes. I mean, basically, that's that's who they are saying those those people don't deserve to live. Well, you, you, yeah, you, you have to go there. <clears throat> I mean, that's the logical conclusion. You know, you look at um, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, and and her uh, philosophy of eugenics and her friendship with um, you know Hitler. And you think, okay, so what what was she after? Well, she was after her her whole goal was to you know um, you know increase the, the 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 rapid the rapidity of evolution. She thought that there was some sort of superhuman, superman that we could attain to if we could just control the evolutionary process or speed it up by weeding out the un, the undesirables, and that included, for, in her mind, black people, uh, and and poor people, and the mentally um, unfit. They called them. Uh, who who gets to decide these things? Oh, and by the way, the 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 abortion industry in America has has is responsible for killing four times more black people than Hitler killed Jews. Think about that. I would love for them to talk about that because if, if every single baby, every single black baby were alive today that's been aborted since 1973 in America, the black community would be twice as large as, as it is right now. It would represent 30% of the entire population. But right now, instead, it represents 14% of the population and still to this day has to bear the burden of almost 40% of all abortions nationwide. They are being devastated, and uh, and you've got people, uh, you know, selling them out. Uh, you got you, you've got the essentially the, the Biden administration, Joe Biden, Harris, Kamala Harris, 
uh, these, these geriatric pro-abortion politicians are basically the new KKK. I, don't, I mean, I hate to say it, though. It's true. Right, right. So let's let's try to pass along some practical ad- advice or guidance um, to to women who might be seeking care. One of the things that I noticed uh, on the Compass Care website, uh, the, the question is posed, is your medical provider treating you ethically? How can you tell? Well, is your medical provider giving you all the information about the risks and side effects of all the various treatment options? Is he giving you treatment options? Okay. First of all, is, is he asking you what you think about the, uh, you know, whether, whether, whether the, whether abortion is right or wrong, because if you make a decision that, that relative to a treatment option that goes against your, your deeply held religious convictions, you're going to have problems in the future uh, emotionally. I mean, 80% of, of women after having an abortion are diagnosed with, with a, a negative, negative health diagnosis, a negative mental health diagnosis. Um, why? Because they're making decisions that are not in, that are that are inconsistent with what they believe, um, and it haunts them. The you know are they are they profiting? And are they telling women that they're that they're they're going to be profiting from this decision? Um, a, a doctor should not be uh, advertising uh, a particular specialty or service um, to to the detriment of a patient. So is is he coming clean? Is she telling the patient uh, what what? what she needs to hear or only what he wants her to hear so that she makes a, a, a decision to his financial benefit. Uh, again, <clears throat> um, sh- there's a, there's a bill of rights um, that, that I put in this book, a patient's, a patient's bill of rights mm. uh, for women facing unplanned pregnancy. And there's, we have uh, 12 points of a bill of rights that a woman needs to be considering when she's uh, facing an unplanned pregnancy. And we also have enlisted in here, her responsibilities as well, because she's got responsibilities for understanding her rights. Um, and so, uh, you know, one of the things in here is be respected enough to make a decision that is, is right for her by receiving non-biased a presentation of all pregnancy-related options. Most abortionists don't do that. They don't, they don't provide non-biased presentation of all pregnancy-related options. Pregnancy centers do, interestingly. Um, receive comprehensive information about her current medical status, including information about the nature and physiology of her current pregnancy. You know, is she getting an ultrasound scan? Is she seeing the baby? Does she, is she being told, is, she get, is, is there true informed consent going on regarding uh, her baby's condition and her condition? Is, is there a continuity of care? What, what's, what's her past? Is, 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 it, is it medically contraindicated for her to take a chemical abortion because she's, for example, anemic? This is the kind of question that's not being asked. Are they locating the pregnancy in the uterus? Is there an ultrasound being done to determine whether or not there's an ectopic before a chemical abortion is given? All these kinds of things are not being done for women today by the abortion industry. In fact, women are able to now call up, and this is all illegal, by the way, but it's happening in mass. We're able to call up a place like Hey Jane or go on the computer and, and, and have these dangerous chemical abortion drugs sent to her in the mail without, without diagnosis of pregnancy, location of pregnancy in the uterus, or, or determination of past uh, me- clinical or medical history to determine whether or not the, 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 this, this chemical is contraindicated for her condition. So, so much, um, you know. So, so there's others, others in here. I encourage people to take up, pick up this book and, and take a look at it, and maybe even give it uh, to their their doctor or or, or their local uh, abortionist uh, to ha- help them understand uh, just how um, they need to be behaving. But if they actually behaved in ways that were ethical. Um, to women facing unplanned pregnancy, 
almost all abortions would go away overnight. And that's that's detrimental, of course, to their business model. Here's how I know what you're saying is accurate, um, because you talk about how it's important for the woman to hear all sides, to hear the truth of all treatment options and all that sort of thing. The other side is being very, very aggressive at outlawing that yeah. kind of speech in in some states. We, we've seen it in your state of New York and in, in Minnesota, California, New Jersey, some others where they're saying it, it's illegal to to share the truth about some of these things uh, yes. and so i guess if to flip that around a little bit if if let's, let's say a healthcare provider was listening they're saying okay jim i would love to be able to do that but i i'm just limited now on what i can and cannot say and that's becoming increasingly true what do we say to them i, I think that's a real challenge that's becoming more prevalent for for pregnancy centers around the country it is uh, it's a it's it's a big problem, and and I would say there is legal assistance um, available to pr uh, pregnancy centers as well as pr uh, uh, medical providers. Uh, right now, I think it, all, the, all the the legislation that you're that you're describing has been challenged, and so there's an injunction, uh, so people are are still free to communicate the truth about the nature of abortion. And the complications and side effects from risks associated with various types of abortion. Um, so that, that's you know the battle wages on. The abortion industry does not want women to have a choice. They do not. They do not want women to be educated because the more women are educated, the more they are informed. It's called informed consent. The less likely they are going to have an abortion. Um, and uh, so you know. This is a, a fight that we have to keep fighting. And, and quite frankly, it's gotta be, it's gotta come from the medical community. Pregnancy centers, uh, to the extent that they represent a certain aspect of the medical community too. Um, and I, you know, the medical community is what sets the standard for medical care. And most, most practitioners don't do abortion and they would never do abortion um, because there's something inside them that says, no, this is not how medicine is supposed to work. Um, so medical, the medical community is supposed to set the standard of care, not government. And so if you've got a consensus of physicians, thousands of physicians saying, no, this is how medical care ought to work, pushing back on the government saying, we're the experts, not you, then the government's going to be less likely to want to step in and regulate the speech of medical providers in particular uh, situations, specifically unplanned pregnancy. So along this line, you know, you're, you're based in New York, and I think we're all pretty much fam familiar with... Uh, the battle against pro-life interests in the state of New York. And, and uh, we mentioned some other states where it's like that. And it's just getting worse. What, just generally speaking, as, as someone who operates a pro-life organization in a deeply blue state, what, what would be your message to your colleagues, whether they're pregnancy centers or pro-life organizations, that sort of thing, in the Californias and the Minnesotas and what uh, advice or, or communication would you have for them? Don't leave. Don't leave your state. This is where the battle is. Um, pushing back on, on the darkness that is abortion um, is, is essentially, uh, is absolutely essential for, to, to maintain a, 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 not just a, a, a medical system that is free from the, from government control and abuse, but also um, 
it it it, it provides courage to people outside uh, these these deeply blue states to stand up for what's right. Because if people keep if people if if people decide, well, this is this is too much for me. I can't I can't stay, and they leave and they go to Texas or Tennessee or whatever. Um, well, then at some point in time, it's just going to follow you, right? Uh, it's this 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 there's evil does not rest. It just doesn't rest. And so we've got to be vigilant. And, and, and for a free constitutional rule of law to, to sustain itself requires the vigilance of the citizens. It requires self-sacrifice. And it's very uncomfortable. But I would say stay for the benefit of your patients. Stay and fight for the benefit of the future of this country and your children. And, uh, and um, you know, that... I, I can't tell you what's going to happen other than, um, you know, if, if we remain faithful to the principles that are that are demonstrated in, in Scripture that were made in God's image. I believe God will show up and in, 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 in power and whatever that looks like. I mean, he can miraculously change the circumstances and he can miraculously change people's hearts. Um, but we're here to protect all people. We're here to demonstrate the fact that all people are made in his image, that truth. Is 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 the is the source of human dignity, and human dignity is why the medical community is so so uh, insistent on 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 research and, and and services to protect the life of the individual, and and that's being degraded right now. Dear Jane, the Life Giving Podcast. My thanks to Jim Harden for joining us today on Dear Jane. He raises some important questions when it comes to why many so-called medical experts cast their professional oaths aside in the name of abortion. To learn more about what Jim was talking about, including the patient's Bill of Rights, visit compasscarecommunity.com. Thanks for listening to Dear Jane. I'm Scott Baker. Our producer is Kate Yule. Our editor is Jacob McCormick. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Dear Jane Podcast. And don't forget to tell your friends about us as well. Dear Jane is a production of the Choose Life Coalition. Talk to you next time.